0: What's going on, F.A. Nation? Welcome back. This is the final Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast of the 2023 season, and we are brought to you through the Better Sports Network. I am Dan Malin, and I am joined, as always, by our FSWA three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. And we have special guest Ed Rouse on this week for the final race of the year. And, you know, you kind of get a sense that he's only on because Ryan Blaney got the win last week at Martinsville. Uh, But, gentlemen, how are we doing Uh, heading into the championship race for 2023?
1: Uh, i'm do- i'm doing good like it's the last race so a that's you know cool we're gonna crown a champion but then i'm a little it's a little bit because it's the last race and next week i have no racing to watch so yeah. you know but then like five weeks from now we're gonna be bemoaning the fact that Daytona is like eight weeks away and <laughs> there's not enough of an off season. so you know I- i'm doing all right i don't have a dog in the fight unlike our uh co-host here who if you're watching this is just. <laughs> It's just a remarkable outfit that he's that he's got on. It's similar to the one, if not the same one, as we saw in the Grill versus Grill video that he and I did that's now out. Uh, how are you doing there, Rouse?
2: Well, I'm glad there's no racing next week because I'm going to have a week-long hangover after Blaney wins tomorrow. So, uh... <laughs> Old <laughs> so, call since he's starting 15th. Hey! Hey, I love it. I love it for DFS, actually. I, I love it. I know, and he's going to yeah. be incredibly popular. <laughs> yep. Hey, he 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 uh, practiced very well, actually. So yes, in in long run as well. So and I like Hassler. I I think I think I think he's in a good spot. I think he's a good sneaky spot. I'm I'm okay. Okay.
0: All right. So we come off Martinsville last week. Uh, Not an identical track to Phoenix by any means. Martinsville is a half mile, just a pretty basic oval. Uh, Phoenix is unique, and it's that it's a it's a one mile flat track, but at the same time, it's got that dog leg where we could see cars fan out and possibly get eight to ten cars wide. We saw the trucks uh, last night in that debacle of a race uh, really take advantage of the dog leg uh, going down. I'm the a area. little
1: bit too much, are you? Yep.
0: <clears throat> um, but overall, you know, Phoenix is is, is its own uh, animal in that regard. It's kind of what makes it. Uh, it it's, it gives it its own uh, stamp. Uh, but we do have teams that you know got a feel for their short track package last week. Uh, we are recording this just after qualifying, Saturday afternoon, early evening. Uh, but what were your thoughts, Matt, on qualifying? You know, what were the big takeaways? I was actually a little bit surprised that Christopher Bell, for as many times as he won the poll in the playoffs, uh, didn't even make it to the final round. Yeah, he could have
1: what won half of the polls in the playoffs. I think a Toyota in general could have won half of the polls yeah. uh, in the playoffs. Didn't make it to the final round. He'll have third. Pitt selection, like he'll pick Pitt's third for the race. Byron gets first choice, then Larson, then Bell, then Blaney. Uh, Then everybody else gets to figure it out. And I guess Kozlowski will pick it from a maternity ward. I don't know where, (laughs) I don't know how that happens. Um, I was a little surprised. I mean, Bell was really fast at practice. Like if it wasn't Blaney leading the categories, Bell was right there. And for both of them to then have bad qualifying sessions, um, not ideal. So that's going to be a little bit interesting for DFS. We'll get into the strategy section here in in a little bit. But for a guy who's been on pole a lot this year, granted, hasn't necessarily done a lot with it when he's been on pole. (laughs) It It was quite a shock to see him not
0: even make the second round. Yeah, Ed, what are your thoughts on Blaney uh, not even making the top 10? He qualifies P-15.
2: Nah, I'm not worried. That long speed has been there all playoffs, baby. He's going to be just fine. What I am worried about is Byron having the pull and Byron having that first pit box. And he probably arguably – actually, he does have the best pit, pit crew in NASCAR this year. So, huge advantage there for him. Uh, that's the one thing I'm actually worried about because Blaney's pit crew isn't known for being the fastest or best either. So – That's the one thing I'm a little worried about going into
1: tomorrow. We saw saw that number one pit stop uh, or pit box, I guess, win the title for Larson um, two years ago when he won it, when he went from third to first on that final pit. Um, So, yeah, Byron having a very good pit crew and now the best pit box in maybe the entire sport. um, It's a bit disconcerting for sure.
0: In uh, I believe it's 3 of the last 6 truck series races the winner of the championship did not win the race. We've typically that hasn't been the case for the cup series. We've typically Correct. seen a champion a, a championship four driver win the actual race at Phoenix. Do you think that we see one of these drivers William Byron, Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell. You think we we see one of them win the race? I yeah, I
1: think so. Look, you have to go back to 2013 for the last time a non-championship eligible driver won the final race and that was denny hamlin winning it at homestead um since then every single time one of the championship four drivers have won the race to win the championship Um, and generally another one finishes second so it's not like they finish first and then somebody else runs them down i think we see one of these championship four win win this race though I will say my heart my heart kinda wants Harvick to win the race and then Uh, the champion to to finish. uh, Just send him off on his best track. Get in the (laughs) booth already. Get in the (laughs) (laughs) booth already. I mean it's his best track like ever. He's got 20 consecutive top ten finishes at Phoenix, which is the most by any driver ever in the history of NASCAR consecutively at any one track. Um so you know, not to mention if you read my betting piece over on PicksWise, I have Harvick at twelve at plus twelve hundred as a shot to win. Um, I also wrote up Busher at plus sixty five hundred as a long shot, dude. So I don't know, but ultimately I do think DJ won the championship for win the race to win the title.
2: Yeah, I agree, but also remember last year Blamey had arguably the fastest car on the track. Correct I kind of posted to second and let
1: Logano win. So I'm hoping because well, Chastain, Chastain finished third. Yeah. So like Blaney was running a little bit of defense for team Penske there. Because, I, you evening. know, there's a shot that if Chastain got around Blaney, he could have run down Logano. But the
2: thing that sucks is I'm going to have to, as a Blaney fan, you have to lean on Joey Logano to be a teammate. <laughs> That's what really sucks. <laughs> That's a <laughs> That's great shot for to Logano, too. I know. <laughs>
0: yes, he won here last year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I think even if you take away the win, like his track record on the on the uh, here at Phoenix, the last handful of races, even without the championship, like he's still been pretty solid. Even in yeah, in the last and
1: four, in the last four races here, Logano's finished 11th, eighth, first, and 11th. So, even without the win, he's got he's he's pretty good. So, so we see, uh, oh, I'm
2: sorry. I was saying, do no, we see, ahead, a repeat, you know, of last year where Blaney gets in first and Logano takes a second and starts to play defense and all that? I don't know. It's, it's a possibility. Blaney, I well,
1: here's here's the problem Logano's not very good at playing defense without wrecking people. <laughs> also
0: true.
1: <laughs> you want him to play defense and then cause a caution and then have Blaney's pit crew have to take it over? Uh, negative okay, Nancy. Right, now we gave Roush nightmare. So he's going to be. <laughs>
2: i'm not gonna make the race tomorrow man <laughs> all
0: right should we just uh dive into how things shook out uh with qualifying and just start looking at the driver pool yeah. let's do
2: cool. it uh all
0: right so as we mentioned william byron is on the pole ryan blaney starts p15 both drivers are over eleven thousand dollars on DraftKings. uh how many lineups because this this is a, a track and a race that are going to have plenty of dominator points available uh what percentage of lineups would you say are going to be cramming in Byron and Blaney, assuming that, you know, in narrative street there is that Byron would lead a lot of the, probably all of stage one, potentially a good portion of stage two, as Byron, as Blaney works his way through the field and eventually reclaims the lead. And one of those two would go on to win the race. How many lineups? Cause I currently have a lineup that I'm just kind of playing around with on DraftKings, And sure enough, it's got Byron in there and Blaney for the PD and late race dominator points.
1: I think a pretty decent amount are going to have that combination. I could see people pivoting off of Blaney and going with C because they trust his pit crew a little bit. He's a little cheaper. It's like 500 bucks cheaper and really only costs you two spots of PD. Mm-hmm. So you can make the argument that those two are probably pretty, um, you know, swappable though. Blaney has the massive advantage in track history here. Cause in the last four races, he's, his average finish is third. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, that being said, I will say that since the championship race has moved to Phoenix, which was in 2020, the the optimal lineups on DK and FanDuel both had two of the championship four drivers in them. There was a great tweet out earlier. Uh, Dan put it in the Discord earlier this week. It showed optimal lineups had two championship four drivers in there so you're gonna to have to get wonky with the cheap dudes <laughs> for sure <laughs> but you know that that's so i would say that that's probably the most popular combination of guys with like byron and blaney this week yeah
2: i'm with you i i do feel you have to get two championship drivers in your lineups to win um i've been going over it from ever since qualifying ended and i really do sneakily like having them be bell and blaney as like a for gpp by the way we're not talking cash but for gpp just having your two champion drivers a bell and blaney and getting that pd upside and hoping that something happens there because it's gonna be under those two I, I think ultimately so kind of like that but going in the lower price it's really tough this week uh it's gonna be a crap shoot. so I'll, I'll leave it up to you cells and, and you dan to you know do the playbooks and find those gems but that, that's kind of where i'm going from a contrary. See-
0: it's kinda of late in the year, and so I've kind of whittled down my bankroll to just kind of just doing three lineups for this, uh for the last handful of cup series races. And I did tell myself, like once I saw Byron on the pole, I'm like, all right, well, I can't put him in all three lineups. Like I do need to try and take a chance with one lineup. And so I'm not necessarily like locked into playing him in all three lineups. And I actually do like the idea of playing Bell and Blaney, but you if for Byron to bust, he probably has to wreck out or something. He needs to have some kind of Late race penalty that cost him a ton of track position. But I do think that, like, he can't just automatically load up and assume that Byron's going to hit. Um, but we haven't really talked about Kyle Larson yet. Uh, we've yeah. talked about, you know, Bell for you know the previous qualifying efforts, Byron for the pole, even Bell's pick crew and Blaney's PD and, and recent speed. But Larson won this race two years ago, and we we're kind of just glossing over him, and he qualified P4. Well, so here's
1: here's my problem with Larson. They interviewed him during qualifying and he very candidly said he doesn't much like the speed in his car. Now, there's adjustments they can make. Cliff Daniels is usually pretty good at making in race adjustments for Larson. Um but you know, we've also talked about before that Larson in the year he won it probably didn't have the best car on track that that day. He got you know, handed the. Well, I mean, he didn't get handed the pole. He won the pole, and then got handed spots on pit road because he had the number one pit box, right? So, if you look at long run speed, he is easily behind um, Blaney and Byron for sure in speed. And you know, C Bell uh, kind of, sort of depends on what metric you're looking at. In all honesty. But that's my question with Larson: is if his car is only so-so, can he actually wheel it to the front and lead laps?
0: I'll say so yes. You need a because boatload if,
1: of laps from him <clears throat> up front to pay to pay value.
0: Yeah, and we've seen him either do that or win a race without having the best car. Like we we've, we've seen him win races with maybe just like the third, fourth, or the fifth best car, and. Sure, like I don't feel I'm kind of with you. I don't feel as confident in him simply because uh he doesn't seem thrilled about the setup. Uh, but at the same time, he is still just, I guess, what we would consider a, a quote unquote wheel man, and he young can money. still still get out there and win the race, <laughs> even if he's got like the fourth or fifth best car.
1: Can you call him Young Money when he's the oldest of the championship? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Isn't that crazy. I mean, it's the youngest championship for NASCAR history, and Larson is <laughs> like 31 yeah. years old, is the oldest of the four. Um, But, yeah, I mean, to highlight the the speed difference, if we look at the 15-lap average in practice, in which, by the way, NASCAR, thank you, you gave us one 50-minute practice with everybody on the track at the same time. makes life a lot easier for betting and DFS, and I don't have to compare, like, oh, this part of the track was rubbered up and this one wasn't, so this group is faster, and the sun was out, and it was at this angle, and this time of night. No, just put them all on the track at the same time. In 15-lap average, Larson had the 11th fastest 15 lap average number one was blaney number two was bell at a hundredth of a second slower than blaney number three was byron who was less than a tenth of a second slower than the other two so you've got the other three championship four drivers are one two three and 15 lap average and larson's 11th i mean harvick was faster busher's faster chase elliott was faster, a guy who's literally not racing for anything because he got eliminated from the owner championship last week, too. Kislowski, who's not even on track this today, was faster. Chastain, Ty Gibbs, Logano, all of them were faster in 15 lap average than Larson. So that's my concern is that do they have enough time to fix the car during the race? Sure. But so does everybody else. So I mean, we've seen him win races with not the best car, but we don't need him to just win. We need him to lead a bunch of laps to pay off value.
0: All right. Uh, now that we've uh, kind of just given our thoughts plenty on the uh, championship four, I guess we could just talk Brad Kieslowski. Uh $9,000, he's starting P31. This is actually kind of refreshing Heck because, sure, but, I mean, is it really going to matter when he drops to the rear and – No, he's only dropping five spots. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I guess the knock on Keselowski is that the car and that organization, the whole team, like they've gotten better in his second year as owner and driver. Um, But at the same time, it just feels like he's always overqualified the car and you never feel great about playing it. But finally, like he's getting PD simply because he didn't qualify the car. Um, He's a lock for cash games. But is this a place where you potentially want to pivot to potentially a cheaper driver who offers almost as much PD?
1: I could see the argument for pivoting. He's going to be quite popular at nine thousand dollars. He's not necessarily prohibitive. Uh, for example, I just built the lineup with Blaney and Byron, and it also has Kuzlowski in it, and I like the other three dudes that are there. Um, so he'll be he'll be pretty chalky. So the argument for cash is you lock him in and you ride with the chalk. The argument for GPPs is you pivot and hope that you know the new dad mojo doesn't help him move up through the field. <clears throat> and you know you potentially take um his employee slash (laughs) slash co-teammate uh busher who doesn't offer that much pd but he's cheaper and if he holds the spot that's all you really need him to do right starting p9 i i don't know where else you go in that range for pd i guess Almarolo.
0: I was thinking Almirola or Briscoe. I mean, both guys. I are do love, good. I, I really like Chase Briscoe. He is in this lineup too, by the way.
2: 7,500. Yeah, that's a good price for him. At 20, he also 000.
1: is really good at Phoenix.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, he won the inaugural Phoenix race in terms of like the next-gen car. Right, uh, and then plus- he's
1: finished fourth and seventh in the other two next-gen
0: yeah. races. So. And he finished fourth last week at Martinsville. Didn't lead any laps, but he had 20 fastest laps too.
1: Yeah, so... I think he's figured this place out. I'm not too terribly concerned about the P26 starting spot because you can actually pass at Phoenix. The other thing that we noticed in the optimal lineups that were tweeted out earlier this week, they had like three dudes in each of them that started P23 or further back, which sounds counterintuitive to Phoenix, but you can pass here, especially on restarts. And if you nail the pitch
0: strategy, then you can really gain some spots. Uh, overall, in the uh mid tier, sorry, I'm playing around building lineups as we're you know doing. Same this. here, same
1: here. <laughs> um,
0: you uh, want to hear the rest?
1: Of, you want to hear the rest of this lineup? I do. Kind of, yeah, go ahead. Ty Dillon and Corey LaJoy rounded out. What?
2: Uh I don't know about Ty Dillon. LaJoy makes sense.
1: In the last four Phoenix races, Ty Dillon has picked up an average of six and a half spots of PD. Uh,
2: looking at his, yeah,
1: yeah, and I mean he. It's his last It's his last ride in the 77. We still don't officially know where he's going yet. There's rumors uh, that he's going to college, college. But, you know, and LaJoy, that car has been deceptively quick of late. He ran pretty well in practice. <clears throat> so I'll take the shot. I don't think a lot of people are going to – He nailed a great landing earlier this year. <laughs> it got a 10
2: from me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God he's okay, but yeah, that was awesome. But not at the same time.
1: Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> there's there's a few cheap, you know, cheap guys. I really wish Todd Gilliland hadn't qualified P14. But well,
0: actually, I actually want to ask you about his teammate because Michael McDowell is now once again under six k and he starts P19, and I don't anticipate a ton of exposure there. However, that's a guy that and Mar- Phoenix is a track where drivers will get lapped on long green flag runs, and he starts inside the top 20 and I'd still maintain that he probably has potential for a top 12. Assuming things go his way, because the, he will need plenty of guys to wreck out. I just don't – I'm not a big fan of the long-run speed for McDowell this week. Okay. It just didn't
1: seem to be there in practice. That doesn't mean that they haven't worked on things since, because it's not an impound race. But uh, I don't know. Also, his history it, it, it Phoenix doesn't seem to suggest that – He's going to turn things around. That I mean, his average starting spot is 19.3. Mm-hmm. So he's got this qualifying 19th thing down. If it <laughs> The problem is his average finish is uh, 22.3. Now in the spring, he did finish 13th. If you want a little nugget. But he started seventh in that race. So he still wound up That's going back.
0: <laughs> uh, two
1: drivers. Go ahead, Ed. I was going to
2: say, were you guys on Kyle Busch? Because he was fast in practice. He qualified 18th. I think he's going to be really under-owned, and he sits there in the uh, 8,800 position. I kind of like him as a sneaky GPP play.
0: I, think I agree. The problem with Kyle Busch that I have is that whenever he's just out of it, like I feel like he just mails it in. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> Like he he sold off his truck series team. Uh He's got a few years left in the Cup series, and he's not in the champion. He's not in contention for the championship anymore. And so, I just don't know how much of a ceiling there is for this race. Just saying, um, as a
2: pivot from Brad Keselowski, right there. I just fair yeah,
1: no ownership. I mean, that's fair. He finished twenty seventh in Martinsville last week. Although I would contend that that car was just never good last weekend. Like. He didn't like it in practice. He didn't like it in qualifying. Didn't like it in the race. Um, Does he ever like anything? No. He (laughs) likes everything when he wins. I mean, true. But, like, Richmond is a comparable track to Phoenix. Yes, it's only three-quarters of a mile versus Phoenix is one mile. But they have a similar layout. They both run similar setups. Um, Phoenix is kind of a backwards Richmond in a way. Kyle Busch did finish third in the last Richmond race. I mean, there's, there's some speed here. He did have some speed. Now, is he going to go all gung-ho and try to win the race? No, I don't think he's going to affect the championship. But I do like him as a pivot. I think he can finish top ten.
0: What are your thoughts? I mean, because we talk about the SHR drivers on short, flat tracks. We kind of already hinted at Briscoe and Almirola. They're both in that mid-7K range, starting outside the top 25. Uh, Kevin Harvick's qualified P3. I think you know where I'm going with this. How do you feel about Ryan Priest at 6,300, starting P12? And I feel like when I've mentioned uh, Ryan Priest at other tracks, you're just like, well, we have to wait for the short flats, and that's what this is.
1: Yep. Okay. Brian priest. He's in the playbook. I put the playbook together Friday before practice, just the guys that I would write up regardless of what they showed. And he made right. the cut of like, I only put about half the guys in there for the guys that I would write up regardless. And he made the cut um, short flat track, his history here. While it's, you know, if you look at the last four, not, you know, he's only run half of those. Obviously he had the year outside the car. But he's run well in those races. So, you know, I have no I have no problem with Ryan Priest this week.
0: Um, do you want to play both Almirola and Briscoe together, or is it better if you just maybe just stick to one of them? Because I'm of the mindset that both are going to be very popular. The cat's out of the bag. Everyone knows that SHR and these drivers are always underpriced, but they always have massive upside on these flat tracks. But I feel like I just don't want to invest – in two of them because I feel like that could be disaster because a lot of people go that way and I just kinda hope that I nail the one that doesn't bust.
1: That's a very good question, actually. Um in my current lineup I only have one. <clears throat> I'm not sure could I fit another one? Where is Almarola? He's seventy three hundred. No, because I'd have to pivot off of well, I mean I could take out Kislowski, but yeah i'm probably going with one of them if you're going for a pd play if you want to get real sneaky in a gpp and put kevin harvick as a guy with a shot to lead some laps
0: you're
2: all in on kevin
1: harvick man well <laughs> i
2: thought get- about that too right. don't—he's <laughs>
0: won nine times here <laughs> in the street top tens like, I always thought, that, like, it just seems appropriate that maybe in, like, the second, like, late second stage, early third stage, like, maybe Harvick just gets out and runs a few laps, and it's a nice send-off for him before he's eventually passed I, I could
1: him. totally see this being orchestrated. Right? And just to lead, <laughs> lead some laps without really interfering with the championship.
0: Like, even if he just goes off strategy from everybody else and just eventually gets to the front, either on fresher tire or older tires because i'm guessing if he did that other people would be pitting but anyway um i still i i personally won't play harvick in my three lineups. um if i was doing 20 yeah i'd probably want to get him in at least two or three of them
1: yeah i i think it's definitely much more of a multi like a at least 10 lineup play for i'm
2: playing game. 10 and i have him zero so
0: I would probably yeah. go that route too. Um, wait, wait, hold on. Now. Let's, let's,
1: <laughs> he's 9,500,
0: right? Starting like, P3. Yeah.
1: Right. But you generally need, let's say, you need what, 5X from him to at least hold, hold value. So that's what, 45, 49 and a half points mm-hmm. you need from him? 47 and a half points? Uh, if he finishes P3, and he gets you, like, 10 fastest laps, which he could totally do. That basically hits.
2: Yeah, but will he finish P3 with with two other championship drivers behind him and even Larson behind him?
1: I'm not sure that Larson ultimately finishes in the top three. All right. Well, my dogs disagree, but... <laughs> <laughs> um one value... Did, I could be totally wrong on Larson. I just, when, when I've seen him dejected like this with the speed in the car, he tends to just kind of get as much as he can, but not push it like full bore and then hope for other people to screw up, which I don't think is happening. I think
2: he's going to be the least owned of the four championship drivers. I may uh, play a little bit more Larson. And I
1: actually Chiefs don't Deion's
0: think that is wrong there.
1: I don't think he's wrong either because he's the highest priced.
0: The way you said that is like,
1: I'm
2: always wrong. What the? Sorry.
0: Sorry. (laughs) You know, (laughs) now that I think about it, I'm like, yeah, I did kind of like have that tone. I'm like, yeah, I think he finally is smart. All right. right (laughs) Love it. I mean,
1: okay. So Kevin Harvick in the spring here started 15th, finished fifth with
0: 49 fastest laps and led 36 laps. He had the best car if there wasn't a late caution. Like, he probably wins the race.
1: Right, but are we so sure that, like, you know, he's fourth fastest in 15 lap average, he's right there in 20 lap average, and more than two thirds of the field ran 20 laps. Like, I don't, I mean, 25 lap average sore, but only like 10 dudes ran it, and he had the fastest one. But you're fastest out of 10 guys, yeah. so. I'm not saying he's a lock. I'm saying that there's more sneaky value here for a guy who knows how to race at this track than I think people are going to give him credit for at this price tag.
0: Uh, One quick value play that I want Matt's opinion on real quick, and Ed's if he has one. Uh, AJ Allmendinger in the three Cup Series races in the next-gen car, he's finished 20th in both spring races, and he finished 12th here last year. Is there any interest in Allmendinger with rumors that he's on the outs uh, potentially going back to the Xfinity Series?
1: Yeah, I mean the P thirty two. Yeah. He's sixty two hundred if he shows up and passes like ten dudes. There there's upside here. I mean I can't say I'm fully comfortable with it, but there's upside. Like it's not now, let's put it this way. In the spring race here, he started twenty second, finished twentieth for 25 DK points and was also 6,200 bucks. So he didn't hit value that race, but he's also now starting 10 spots yeah. further back. I don't know. Are you in on Almendinger there, Ralph? I see. If you
2: need someone in that price spot, like going down, like if you go all the way from McDowell 58, all the way up to even Eric Jones, maybe even Suarez at 69. Nice. I'd um, rather he, go
0: priest in tournaments just for significant yeah, but leverage.
2: Almendinger in that, realm is the best of those drivers i would have most confidence in to be honest
0: but yeah i like
2: priests too but um oh yeah priest is what 63 yeah so yeah priest and Almondinger there so i mean i, I like him over Sindrick, over austin dylan <clears> over <throat> jones yeah so i have him actually in two of my lineups so i'm glad you mentioned that so i am a little on him
0: all right with uh just a few minutes ago who do you guys like to win the race and potentially the championship Well, do we really need Rouse's answer? I really don't think we need to ask Ed, but we can get his answer. (laughs) Number 12, Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney, baby.
2: (laughs) It's Ryan Blaney (laughs) winning the whole thing, baby. He's going to win. He's going to win his first championship. And prediction, next year he overtakes Chase Elliott as the most popular driver in NASCAR. But I die.
0: Matt, who you got? I got, I got William Byron. I am also taking the last Byron. three. The
1: last three championship oh,
0: winners at Phoenix have started on the pole. Hey, if Blaney had gotten the pole, Ed, I would have taken him.
1: My, my question is: Are we going to see Aaron Blaney wearing a split shirt get up? one for Ryan Blaney and one for? She should come in boyfriend. a
0: split fire suit.
2: Yeah, there, there is no ring on her finger. She should be all Ryan Blaney.
1: No, So I heard this interesting take the other day that was like she should be rooting for William Byron so that she doesn't have to hear about it at the Thanksgiving dinner table that her brother is a champion and she's just her but like (laughs) if if Byron wins then she gets to still be with the champion but doesn't have to hear it over the family dinner table Uh, It's a confusing
2: relationship because Byron last week actually said my brother-in-law towards
1: right. So that is a thing that apparently happens in the South for people who have been dating for a long time that they just jump the gun and say, they in just long- assume yeah. like they've been dating for four years. So it's not like, oh, that's nothing me. in California. Are you kidding me? Well, look, I mean,
2: <laughs> I guess in the South, that's like an eternity. You're, you're well, it. I would think
1: in California, that's a long time considering the fact that, you know, <laughs> You've got celebrity couples that are dating for 45 minutes nowadays. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, Taylor Swift is already with the other Kelsey brother already. Well, that would be, that would be fun since he's married <laughs> to somebody in California, man.
0: All right. Well, gentlemen, uh, as always, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on this week, Ed. Uh, it was a fun year. Uh, we look forward to coming back in what feels like 13 to 14 weeks for Daytona. Go! Uh, yeah, best the of luck to after you guys, Super Bowl, folks. <laughs> we you for the Super Bowl, so best of luck to you guys this weekend, and best of luck to the FA Nation. Go best of anybody. luck, FA Nation.